This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your host, Jason Pufal. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufal, joined today by Michael Grandy, the CEO of Vancord, and Bob Mindel, the CEO of Binary Defense. Uh, Bob is a 30-year IT and security uh, professional. Uh, most recently, he led the North American cybersecurity business at Capgemini. Uh, binary Defense is one of really the most important partners that we have here at Vancord. Uh, Bob, I'm thrilled to have you join us. Thanks, thanks for that. Thank you. Excited uh, to be here. So today we're gonna we're gonna try to keep this really a kind of a high level uh, information security discussion, right? Uh, talk a little bit about what the kind of top business drivers are in the industry. Uh, have a little bit of a conversation around. You know, security controls and security tools, budgeting and, and just sort of implementation, um, and then talk about what the kind of primary drivers in this information security space moving forward uh, are likely to be. Um, so, you know, Bob, I think looking at the at the top business drivers, uh, certainly a couple of things that, that we run into very regularly, I'd say, are sort of compliance-related drivers and then sort of insurance-related drivers, right? So we, we, there's been a tremendous change in the market uh, as it relates to cyber liability insurance where, where many of them nowadays requiring, uh, you know, sort of the, the next-gen AV, the MDR-type tools. Um, certainly that's been a big change for us. And then clearly a lot of conversations that we have, especially as we do a fair amount of work with the Department of Defense, for example, are – you know, endpoint protection, uh, data analytics, forensics, uh, you know, th- those are discussions I feel like we have every day. Um, I'm wondering on your side if there's anything in particular that you see as sort of common sort of common and top business drivers. So the, the most common business driver that we see is risk management, right? We're on the defensive side of the business, uh, so helping organizations protect and defend their enterprise. Uh, so ultimately, we need to uh, have a trusted relationship with them to enable them to minimize their risk exposure uh, in the marketplace. The f- how about from, say, brand perception? Uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of concern nowadays with how a company might represent themselves to you know their partners or to potentially their clients. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so there's there's a large brand risk going on in the marketplace, right? When we look at how the threat landscape has continued to evolve and, and increase, especially with the current geopolitical scenarios going on in the world, um, brand is a major issue. Whether it's ransomware or people's personal information being exposed and distributed out to the dark web, Uh, People are concerned on who they're doing business with, right? And how is that brand being portrayed in the market? Are they a trusted brand? Have they had repetitive breaches before? Have they most recently had a large breach um, that becomes very public? Uh, So cyber insurance is all well and good, but that's after the fact, right? So how can you prevent this brand um, hit happening in the first place right you know one so of that, that's something we talk to our customers about 
Oh, so you, you said a key word uh, for sure, which is sort of evolution, right? I feel like in this industry uh, specific to cybersecurity, right? Things are changing, if, if not hourly, daily, weekly. Um, you know, the transition from more global sort of foreign actors to more independent groups uh, with ransomware. We're seeing that on incidents that we respond to. Um, one of the other changes I've seen you know, over the past 12 plus years has really been the escalation or elevation of cybersecurity as a, you know, a key component of management responsibility, uh, rather than being solely focused at the maybe IT director or IT manager's level. You know, it's become a board issue, and I, I think your your comments about risk management are so uh, important and correct because. Um, you know, every size organization from, you know, small business owner up through large enterprise, you know, it's become a key talking point and, and one of the primary areas where focus has been laid. Well, Michael, absolutely true. Um, you know, we've seen the evolution over the past eight, 10 years of it going from being an IT discussion, an IT problem to a business problem to a board level issue. Right. Um, and even, you know, and you're seeing it more and more in the news now, you're seeing it in the government of the visibility being raised across the entire government and every level of government. Um, but if we're talking to business businesses today and they're not aware of the cyber risk that they're facing, usually there's, there's something else going on there, right? Because it's just such front, so front and center today. Um, from a business and IT and risk perspective that it, it has to be front and center. The, you know, one of the things, Bob, that you actually said a second ago, which, which resonated with me was you can't have multiple incidents. And, and the reason I thought that was important is you, there is a certain understanding now that you know, even really well-defended companies can experience the cyber attack, right? can have that issue. I think what you know, clients and partners can't tolerate is, you know, multiple offenses or an event that, you know, when reported, you know, the, the response is, well, this happened 180 days ago and it took us that long to discover it. I think there has to be a shortening of the time to detection and that time to response. And I think that that's a lot of what breeds some of that confidence is being able to demonstrate that you had the right things in place, but then when something happened, you responded quickly and you had the, you know, the programmatic maturity to actually deal with it effectively. Well, that's exactly it, right? And, you know, there's legislation now being proposed, and we'll see if it gets passed, but to try to make a mandate that your reporting has to be within a short amount of time, right? So we'll see where that goes. There's also legislation being proposed uh, for public companies that they have to have cyber professionals on their board of directors. Um, but even with that occurring, um, the the enterprise itself needs to believe that if there is activity on their network, that they have the right cyber partner that can help really stop that activity before it becomes a breach. Um, and then if there is a breach, how is it dealt with, right? And, and when is it reported on and how is it responded to or remediated? Um, and the, the remediation is is critical because you need to make sure that that adversary is no longer on your network. And some of these breaches that have occurred, uh, occurred a few times, there's times where the, the, the adversary really never leaves. Right. Um, they just, so that, that causes that repetitive breach. For sure. You know, um, one of the points I think this brings us to is, you know, post breach action, right? And then preventative or more proactive 
uh, protective measures taken ahead of time and sort of that business discussion around uh, client engagement, uh, you know, positioning security as, as a key area. Maybe if you could share your thoughts on how those conversations generally go in your experience, uh, even at uh, smaller up to the large enterprise and, and sort of positioning the proactive efforts so that, you know, in the event of a breach, there's, there's uh, you know, more risk mitigation in place. Yeah, and, and actually, sure. can I just add to that quickly? I think my, how do you differentiate, right? Because the reality is there are a lot of, there's a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of vendors out there. What is it that differentiates one vendor from another or you know, sort, sort, of, sort of proves that value out over, the, over time? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? And, you know, candidly, a lot of people in the, in the industry, they're, they're very focused just on the technology, right? And the technology stack to um, help protect and defend. It's really where the technology, the people process and technologies come together in a coordinated fashion with the right run books, the right playbooks, experience level one, two, and three analysts, right? Understanding through threat hunting, threat intelligence, and threat information gathering, really understanding the activity of the adversaries, right? So this should, in theory, enable an organization to try to understand or know more about where the adversary is going before they, they go there themselves. So these three things have to come together. Um, and we, at Binary Defense, we have very experienced analysts and threat hunting and threat intelligence capabilities that enable us to really differentiate. Um, and then also some secret sauce that's in the uh, managed detection response capability in itself um, that, that differentiates as well, such as um, decoys and, and the likes. Uh, so really understanding behavioral analytics of the, the adversary can help differentiate ourselves. But if an enterprise and or a vendor does not have coordinated people process and technologies in place that are mature, uh, the, the technology stack isn't really going to matter. And, you know, not to throw out a shameless plug for binary defense, but one of the areas that we've been so pleased with in our experience, and I defer to Jason to uh, you know elaborate uh, as much as he's comfortable, but is the quality of, of the information I think that we're able to get. Um, and really it's, it's become a force multiplier for ourselves. I think we've talked so much about this distributed ecosystem of technology, you know, the, these hybrid environments, remote environments, it's, you know, there's, there's so many things to talk about, uh, about our sort of risk area expanding. Um, but, but having a partner like binary defense has, has helped a team, you know, of, of, of size, you know, of size, uh, really function in a much larger capacity as we have and grown. So, uh, you know, I appreciate that partnership that we've, that we've had. Yeah. So my, you know, to, to add on to that, then my thought would be, there's just no substitute for good people and having those relationships in place. You know, everybody wants a product that has a, some amount of you know, AI, right? That's clearly a really, a really popular term now. Um, uh, it does make things more efficient, right? If you can use technology to actually weed through some of the some of the noise, uh, but ultimately, you know, this is a relationship business, and you know people need to trust who we are. People need to trust the partners that we bring to the table, and frankly, we need the the trust within ourselves to know that you know when I call binary defense, you know I've got a human being on the other end who can help 
help resolve a problem, but also understand sort of the business impact that our clients might have. And there's there's just no substitute for that. And so it really does come down to people. It does come down to relationships. And I think that what that is what has made the, the Vanguard and Binary Defense partnership so strong. Well, thank you. Really appreciate that. And, um, you know, to, to build on the word you said, there, there has to be that circle of trust, right? That trust has to be there between us as partners and the trust that's being demonstrated to our customers in the marketplace. Um, because the the enterprises, whether it's government, small businesses, and especially for small business, because they don't have the resources to, you know, really build out large teams. So they're more and more dependent upon partners like ourselves and, and Vancord um, for those, all of the, the solutions really. Um, and they have to trust us collectively. And we have an obligation to the marketplace to deliver upon that trust. So I, I appreciate this relationship very much. So we spoke a little bit about you know some of the business drivers. Uh, I, I think to a degree, right? How do you differentiate or, or distinguish yourselves uh, in this technology space? Um, you know, let's look forward a little bit, if we could, uh, with with the couple minutes that we have remaining. You, the last couple of years has certainly seen. A, a pretty significant transformation, right? We went largely from you know, an in-office workforce to fully remote. Now I think the, you know, we're, we're in a hybrid. That's not going to change. And, and certainly some of the conversations that we regularly have are, you know, how do I protect my workforce now that they're distributed, you know, now that they're, just, they're not coming back to the office, uh, but I still need to ensure that they're productive, that they're secure, et cetera. Um, I guess my first question is, do you envision that changing at all? And, and second is, uh, you know, what's the best way to do, to address that? So first and foremost, I, I don't envision the hybrid work environment changing. Um, I think that some organizations are going to be remote forever and, you know, some are going to be hybrid. Uh, so as the remote and hybrid um, workforce has become the standard or the norm, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the perimeter now is somewhat limited, limitless because you don't know where your employee is working on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. They could be at a coffee shop. They could be at, you know, a summer house or, you know, rented a place, some place in another country even, you know, we see that often. So because of that, your perimeter becomes limitless and therefore, the digital transformations that companies have had to undertake and are undertaking has been expedited, right? So with that becomes more cyber risk. So how do you how do you make sure that that is secure? Um, and through organizations like Vancord and and ourselves and others in the, the entire security ecosystem, that's that's happening, right? So from a business driver and where the market's going, um, I think that purely demonstrates why the space of managed technical response grew 49% year over year last year. And the predictions are that it's just going to continue to grow uh, even more going forward because this is not going to change. It's not going to get rolled back um, in very select industries like the largest banks in the world. There's jobs that they have to go to the office every day. And, and look, they have the resources to, to staff those and, and that's fine. But even them, their their perimeter uh, has become limitless as well. Even though they have, you know, somewhat of a workforce that comes to work every day, they still have to be prepared for that hybrid work environment. You know, 
the one um, maybe add on, and it's, it's, it's a, a sub driver, but I think it's still going to be a motivator, especially in that mid market class and small business that, that we've been focused on for so long is that um, sort of a, a dearth of, of ta- talent available uh, in the marketplace. And with, more distributed networks and with more advanced technology, more things to manage, there seemingly is less, less and less and less resources to do that management. And we've certainly seen that uh, with, with our client base and in conversations we've had in, in really a variety of industries, it's not hyper-focused to just one area. Um, there's, there's so many more things to manage. Uh, so I think, you know, going back to that sort of talent resource pool, making sure that we may be 10, 15 years you know, behind where we need to be with the number of uh, cybersecurity professionals um, in the, in the uh, marketplace. And, and the talent gap is just getting bigger, yeah. right? Um, at the moment, anyway, you know, it was significant. I think there was about a million unfilled jobs prior to the pandemic. Now it's about 3 million unfilled jobs um, with the adversary becoming more active with the digital transformation becoming, you know, um, expedited and exacerbated these, this, these, these shortage of roles and, you know, qualified people to put into these positions just becomes exponentially higher. That's creating a much more significant need for suppliers to be able to, to build and fill those gaps. Um, and, and, you know, there's a great role for, for Vancouver to play there in, in partnership with, with organizations like ourselves. Um, but the companies, you know, between the great resignation and organizations not being able to afford the, the talent and the shortage of talent itself just, you know, really creates a price point that becomes really hard to, to, to pay for from an employee perspective. So they have to turn to partners and partners have to be able to fill these gaps. Well, and, and it's further evidence why we're not going to ever return back to a fully in-person workforce, right? So if you want to compete and you want to, you want the best talent you can, you may have to recruit, you know, nationally or globally. So we're going to be, we're, we're going to be hybrid for, you know, for a long time, if not forever at this point. And, and companies that haven't you know, addressed that adequately, right? I certainly people transitioned to remote. That doesn't mean they did it securely. Uh, so companies that aren't thinking about that right now, uh, really should put some some serious thought into how to address you know, that gap. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, an example of that is binary defense in itself. Um, you know, they started out as a company in Ohio focused on, you know, the regional part of Ohio and, and they expanded from there. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and they showed us an opportunity to leverage skills across the U.S. And it's it really enabled them to hire more high qualified people. Um, so it's just a microcosm of, of an example of what's going on out there. Um, so I think we're just about at our time. Uh, Bob, Michael, anything that you want to add in parting before we sort of look to wrap up here? Um, I would just say, you know, a few words of appreciation for Bob joining us today and, and for uh, the relationship we've been able to maintain with binary defense and, and hopefully continue to grow and, and partner and deliver that value to our clients and, and uh, new clients as they come on board. So we're, we're happy and excited about the success that, that you've uh, found and, and that binary defense has grown. And hopefully we can mirror some of that on that regional sort of Northeast uh, area uh, that we that we try every day. 
Well, I appreciate that, Michael. Um, it's a great relationship, a great partnership. Look forward to really expanding that and driving that forward. Um, we're happy about you know the customers that we're able to successfully support today together and uh, look forward to doing more of that together in the future. So thank you for your time. Really appreciate you having me on today and uh, look forward to hearing the uh, where CyberSound goes from here. So thank you. You're welcome, Bob. It's our pleasure, of course, and we appreciate you joining. I think uh, there might be some opportunities for podcasts in the future, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll chat, I'm sure. Uh, so with that, you know, as always, if anybody wants to continue the conversation at all, uh, feel free to reach out to us uh, at Vancourt on LinkedIn. Uh, we're happy to answer any questions about the relationship between binary defense and Vancord, uh, or frankly, anything relative to the state of the industry or you know, where we're headed. Uh, Bob, Michael, thanks very much for joining today, and, and we hope everybody got value out of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to get in touch at Vancord on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Vancord Security. And remember, stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.